Hello, and welcome to the Port of Call Gulf Coast Business Spotlight. I'm Joe Brown, CEO of Portside Advertising, along with my co-host, Angelo DePaola of EXP Realty, The Coastal Connection. And today's special guest is Rick Heinrichs from Compliance Support Associates. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, Good Joe. to see you, Joe. Thank Joe, you. thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So today, Rick, tell us a little bit about what Compliance Support Associates, what do you guys do? Who, tell us a little bit about your business. Sure. You know, the name seems broad, Compliance Support Associates. However, consulting-wise, we're a very narrowly focused company in two specific areas of expertise. You know, we specialize in the ADA, which is not the American Dental Association. It's the American Dis- with Disabilities Act. And the Fair Housing Act, or FHA compliance, more specifically, we specialize in assisting clients navigate the vast amount of complex scoping and technical design and the construction criteria found in both pieces of these really comprehensive civil rights legislation. We're not a group of lawyers uh, or architects or engineers, so you know I really don't want any of my discussions today to be misconstrued as offering any type of legal or design advice relegated to those particular professions. What I do offer my clients is a specialized technical assistance in order to help them minimize the business risk associated with noncompliance as it relates to both the design and construction obligations associated with the ADA and the FHA. If if I'm going to go develop a shopping mall, for instance, we know we're going to be serving the public. So when somebody engages you, what's that look like? Well, typically... You know, I'm engaged in a couple ways. Uh, first and foremost, uh, just as you're saying, that developer may be looking to construct a complex, whether that be a commercial facility, uh, shopping center development. It might be a multifamily residential building. Uh, unfortunately, going into that process, they don't actually know. They rely a lot on architects and engineers to bring to the table information However, the complexities of ADA and FHA are such that many times these get missed in the process. And when they do, they can be very expensive to have to sort out after the fact, whether that is a design and construction, uh, particular measurement of a building or facility, whether it contains a particular element or feature. And so what I would do is I would begin with the process of a plan review and then, of course, begin uh, looking at the you know, physical building itself that's being erected uh, and walkthroughs and so forth. So you know, that's one aspect of that. The other side of that is on the backside when these particular uh, organizations or even the uh, business owner or the tenant or, or whoever find themselves embroiled in, a, in an ADA or an FHA litigation. And then, of course, I'm hired then through an attorney to come in and really give my expert opinion on what may or may not be compliant with that particular structure. So they're calling you on the front end to make sure they're building correctly, or they're calling you on the back end to say, hey, is this, was this done correctly? What do we need to do to get compliant? Yeah, we're, we're narrowly focused in those two areas. You know, the ADA is, is about five titles. Uh, we focus primarily on two of those, uh, Title II being uh, the aspect of 
of the ADA that affects public entities, your city municipal governments and their buildings and facilities, program services and activities. And then the other side of that is Title III, which is places of public accommodation, which sometimes can get misunderstood as as being associated with a public entity, but is not. That's your places of public accommodation, your doctor's office, your grocery store, your uh, restaurant that you like to go to, and so forth. So who is coming out to make sure that these are ADA and FHA business compliant? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, as a builder or as a developer, you rely a lot on your local code official to assist you or to be aware of perhaps where uh, some of this accessibility noncompliance might be. Unfortunately, uh, when the ADA and FHA uh, these are civil rights laws, and so they're not enforceable by your local code official. However, your local code official or your building inspector does have the accountability of needing to advise you or to at least inspect on what would be considered building code. And 95% of what in the world that I deal with, with FHA and ADA, are contained in the building code. Not throwing a rock at the building code official, but there was a fundamental disconnect early in the process of when this uh, legislation came out in the early nine in the early nineties, where the local code official just did not have the training, and then that evolved into a poor uh, rollout and management by the government in regards to what's required under the ADA and FHA, and thus you had a period of time where you had. People learning about it, trying to become aware of, you know, how to build according to these guidelines. So, obviously, during that period of time, you would have had a lot of noncompliance that's still overlapping and, and occurring. Well, unfortunately, those that noncompliance is still subject to litigation. So, you might have buildings and facilities that were built for 10 or 15 years following an enactment of the legislation that, unfortunately without proper oversight from both the owner, architect, builder, and code official Mm. that are now sitting here non-compliant. So if if someone hasn't had their building inspected in, say, what, 10 years, five years, 10 years, should they be contacting you to say, hey, let's go ahead and just do a run-through, make sure you see see what's wrong? It would... It would, it would pay uh, great dividends to do that. And for the reason of just knowing where your business is or your building sits in relation to compliance, uh, not only that, in today's uh, legal environment, we have what are now considered as predatory advocacy groups uh, and lawyers, and even lawyers that you know, are operating a little beyond what we would consider ethical and are actually sending out uh, shoppers to look at potential litigants in these in these cases. So you know you're, you're under the gun in in many ways. Right. I mean, I can tell you just on like thinking about this, and if I'm buying a commercial building that's going to be open to the general public, I mean, I would want to engage engage you, Rick, not just to so I know what I'm buying because there may be tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars of of stuff that has to be done. So you don't want to go buy that. And on top of that, without knowing that that you're going to have to do that, but also what a great negotiation point. I 
and I don't, I've never thought of that until we're sitting here talking like this. How, how often does somebody engage you on that inside and that end of it? Quite a bit. Uh, I've been doing quite a bit, a number of uh, pre-construction and pre-purchase ADA audits uh, for that, for just that reason. As a matter of fact, I got a call the other day from uh, a client uh, who has just completed the manufacturing of a very large facility, uh, actually a manufacturing facility, and it had an upfront engineering office and needed it inspected for ADA because the insurance company would not issue uh, a policy on it until they signed off on that building being ADA compliant. And after walking through it and, uh, well, on that particular facility, I did what I call my full ADA architectural barrier survey of the whole facility, which is a photo documented, uh, fully complete uh, inspection of the building. Uh, we found quite a bit of, of problems. As a matter of fact, there were some major restroom issues, uh, construction issues, uh, issues with the uh, bathroom and, and shower areas, uh, just a number of typical issues that you would think, how could these be in a brand new building? So give me, let's just say bathrooms, for example. Give me, give me an idea of what a public facility restroom should have in order to be compliant. Well, as you would walk up to a restroom door, the first thing you're going to see is a, is a typical would be a tactile sign that would be there to provide those individuals that might be blind or, or sight impaired to be able to identify that restroom uh, as being uh, a, a restroom, a men's restroom or women's restroom or multifamily restroom. So, so a uh, Braille sign, basically? A Braille okay. sign. And then, of course, the raised tactile letters, which, which tell them which one it is. The ISA, the actual symbol that we see with the wheelchair, that's required only when all restroom or when when they're, when all restrooms are not compliant. In other words, if you're singling out the non-accessible restroom. But back to your point, uh, the next thing we looked at is door maneuvering clearance. You know, do we have compliant in regard to the pull side and the push side of that door? Do we have a compliant door handle on the door? Do we have... Uh, and a com- what's a compliant door handle? Oh, a compliant door handle would be one that's a lever door handle versus okay. a knob door handle. Okay. We see knob door handles in many businesses today. And those are non-compliant. And those are non-compliant from the standpoint so of... So what's a fine for a non-compliant not having that? What Give, give me an example well, of what the fine Well, it's be. not necessarily much what the, confi- what the fine might be as far as what that could do to tipping off a potential shopper that might be coming to that business who might see that door handle and then, you know, go back to their uh, predatory legal group or advocacy group, and then all of a sudden you get a letter uh, with, you know, 50 complaints giving you a uh, the fact that you're in violation of all these, you know, particular issues, and then you're having to inspect those or go out and hire an attorney. And in some cases, based on current law, they don't, you don't have to have notice. All they have to do is file suit, uh, which there's no pre-suit notice. Right, but so how much could that, just the door handle, end up potentially costing? Um, You know, today, these these, uh, firms, these predatory firms, they're typically, their opening negotiation is about 20 grand. So you're better off to just go ahead and replace that door handle. Yeah, you're you better off walking through the inspection. Through it. Yeah, and, you know, other items, and what it does is it, you know, anytime there's a lawsuit, then, of course, that leads you to further 
subject being subject to further inspection, uh, and, right. and then once someone like myself who works on the other side of the fence, so to speak, comes in, then you know they're going to be picking out you know all those items that are non-compliant. Right. Then it becomes a war, a battle between the two. How is it today compared to 10, 20 years ago? You know, compared to today, uh, I would give us overall uh, really about a, a C plus to a B minus in progression from where we were, you know, back when the ADA first came out in the several years following that. And, and that's the reason because of the slow rollout by the government and the poor what I see as a systemic uh, inability of the building official officials as a whole to uh, not get their head around uh, what I would consider building code compliance, forcing new construction to follow ADA or, or in the case of, of building code, the ANSI guidelines. Rick, what enforcement mechanisms are in place to ensure today's design and construction is up to code? Well, from an ADA standpoint, the ADA is enforced by the Department of Justice. Uh, HUD enforces the Fair Housing Act, and that end of the uh, compliance is really controlled enforcement-wise strictly through those two entities. The local building official, on the other hand, he is going to enforce his local building code, which would be a big help in tipping off anyone who is either remodeling a particular facility or building a new facility that you might have some potential problems. And if you're subject to an, an ADA lawsuit filed by the government, there are some pretty stiff penalties if, in fact, you know, you're found as being guilty of those violations and you know, you're looking at a civil penalty of $75,000 for the first violation and 150000 for any subsequent violations after that. Now, my experience having worked on that side with the DOJ and, and having worked in, in situations, we have never had cases that have actually gone to uh, a, a legal trial on the merits. Um, Everything has been settled. However, there has been some, you know, damages awarded. On the other hand, the title under Title III, they're also subject to private action lawsuits. In other words, you or I could go out and, and hire an attorney and, and file a lawsuit if we so desired. And these private action lawsuits, the problem with that is, is there's, there's no pre-advanced pre notice. The government at least gives you an opportunity to settle. These private lawsuits, they can immediately go down and file an ADA lawsuit of which you have to then reply to that lawsuit. And in federal court, and I'm not an attorney, but what I hear from my attorney friends is that I help in these situations is that you can't represent yourself in federal court. So you have to go out. So immediately then you're subject to hiring an attorney, the attorney fees. And then if you're found with violation and you, in, in fact, then would have to pay the, the plaintiff's uh, attorney fees. So, and not only that, you also have to fix your ADA concerns that are found in violation. So you're, you're in a no-win situation for something as simple as back before we were talking about right. a door handle in your business being right, right. And, being out. And so from what I, based on this conversation, you're as a business owner or a building owner of a facility that's being used by the public, you should almost treat it like uh, your annual checkup with your dermatologist 
it, it, you're better off to be safe than sorry to check for that whatever yep. could be wrong with you right yeah you know there's there's building uh, inspectors and you know that's and I'm not quite sure how that ended and you're uh, probably more familiar than that uh, than I am, uh, Angelo, in regards to, you know, ordering a commercial inspection on a building when it comes to whether or not that building's got, you know, termite damage or all the other things that, that yeah. they look to list right. for. Well, this could be as, as costly as termite damage or possibly more, to, yeah. right? So. And, and the problem is, is those, those inspectors, uh, where they might note ADA concerns, they do not give you the expert opinion of an ADA uh, expert in regards to the condition of the building in a photo documented manner that, of course, my company would and my level of expertise. They definitely don't. Like, you're specialized just like uh, you bring a home inspector out or, like, in a commercial instance, we usually bring a, uh, a general contractor out. But, like, they're not a roofer. They're not an HVAC guy. So they can, you know, their scope on and their speci- specialty is it's going to be very broad, but like you would definitely want to bring somebody like you in here. And, and I just think I'm so torn on this because like, I just think of like Susie going and opening a restaurant. She's taking the ten twenty thousand dollars that she says saved up and goes and buys an old building that probably isn't retrofitted properly. And then you've got somebody goes in there or she gets a, you know, one of these attorneys that's just looking for opportunities to go after somebody like that. But at the same time, in the spirit of like actually caring about other human beings and, and just the, the, the temperament of society as it is right now, like, like you generally care if somebody can't find the restroom and, or can't get their wheelchair in or anything like what does somebody like just, just a mom pop, business do like run that run through that scenario i recently had a client that i inspected for uh this was i was hired through an attorney to go in and look at this building the business owner had just purchased it was a restaurant had just did not purchase the building excuse me they were they were tenants they were leasing the building from an owner Uh, the building was old i mean it was we're talking 30 to 40 years old probably built originally in the 60s and with all good faith they were not uh, in any way savvy to building codes or what's required and so forth under the ADA or even under the building code per se. And so they found themselves embroiled in, a, in one of these drive-by lawsuits. Well, uh, of course, the situation was is you know now they're faced with both answering that lawsuit and then having to make these uh, required uh, improvements. And then it got into a battle between the actual owner of the building, who, who has let the building go for 40 years, not bringing anything up to compliance, leasing them a building that they didn't really know uh, was not compliant. And then the, once they get in it and then brought in a lease. So, you know, yeah, looking where you, at, where you stand in, in leases uh, is important for Susie to do. But then also looking at that building and knowing just exactly what you're getting ready to, to lease and, and or in some cases buy, you know, if that's in fact what you're doing. Because it, it, the, the person leasing the actual property is responsible once you enter through their door. Is that correct? Not the building owner, or, or, or is that wrong? Uh, both. They're both responsible. Both responsible. And okay. they're, yeah, they're both co-responsible now. At different stages, you know, they become, you know, more the, the, lead, the tenant, it, 
is is responsible because they're the the basic business owner of the place of public accommodation. So, you know, the full weight of the ADA falls on their shoulders. The owner is the owner of the building. So, you know, that in itself requires them to uh, who they own a business, which is a place of public accommodation. So whether it's under lease contract, it, you know, there are some fine lines there about, well, who might be responsible for paying from the door and you know, to the parking lot, to the street, and who was responsible for paying from the door inside to the to the dining table. But it's important to have all those nuances spelled out for sure. Do you see a ADA or FHA litigation on the increase? And where can you begin in avoiding an ADA lawsuit as, as a business owner or, a, or someone who leases space? Yeah. Well, they're definitely on the increase. Um, you know, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Safe Arth and Shaw, legal firm out of Texas, you know, there were, you know, about 11,000 ADA Title III lawsuits filed in federal court in 2019. And that was up about 8.8% over 20, 2018. You know, that's primarily due to the fact that you've got predatory advocacy groups and, and legal groups going out looking at this. Now, you know, you one might argue that that's, they're doing this for a reason. You know, they're finding that. You know, in, in today's political climate, sometimes the U.S. attorney's offices, and uh, there's, what, 90-some of these around the country, um, there, uh, you know, sometimes opinions and, and focuses change based on political preferences. So ADA might not always get, uh, from a civil aspect, the uh, enforcement that it might be due from a federal level. And I always considered it as being really a political because disability, uh, whether you have a disability is, is not necessarily whether you're of one particular political persuasion or the other. However, that's just the reality of where we are. So these advocacy groups, they do look out for the disabled. And now they might be very aggressive. Uh, they're still making a point. And so, you know, we might might also argue that as well, but, uh, you know, we just need to try to work what we can do uh, within the realm that we have within our businesses to make sure that that low-hanging fruit right. that, w- that, that they see out there is covered. So, so what type of inspection services do you offer at Compliance Support Associates? For those well, there's primarily two inspection services uh, okay. outside of, say, an ADA or FHA plan review, but, but one would be a high-speed walkthrough of the business. Uh, in other words, you're paying me to come there, uh, walk through with you, the business owner. You take all the notes. I don't have to formally photo document uh, and and write a finalized formal report. You're telling them what I'm to do. I'm telling you what you need. I'm telling you what I see. And in my professional opinion, you need to fix that because that's going to get you in trouble mm-hmm. more than anything else. And that's the most difficult or the most difficult element that might uh, be a barrier to a person uh with a disability. The next one would be a full uh, ADA compliance survey where someone says, you know, I've got six restaurants. I'm, I want every one of these things. I want to know every single barrier that might be in one of these restaurants. And, uh, you know, please do that for me and give me full reports so that I can over the next 10 years prioritize, you know, what I'm going to do. That doesn't necessarily keep them. Well, that doesn't necessarily keep them out of a lawsuit. Right. But, but sometimes when you're talking about, you know, a multiple business owner or a franchise that might have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of renovations or fixes, um, they don't might not necessarily have that capital available, and they have to 
you know, they have to make those uh, those fixes. You know, 10 years, yes, yeah, a little long time. I'll just, you know, use that. But, you know, you might want to consider, you know, doing it in a much shorter span. Right. And then, you know, thirdly would be, uh, you know, any anytime I would have to come in via a lawsuit, which I'm typically hired through an attorney to do that. What, what happens when you, you – you're getting sued. What's what's next? Well, when you're getting sued, you need to reach out to an attorney um, and make sure that that attorney includes someone like myself in the process, which they normally do. What type of an attorney? Uh, Just your typical employment attorney or design and construction attorney. Okay. Uh, but you can typically reach out, and that's why you know that's why I'm involved because you don't necessarily would need a you need someone you know. Uh, familiar with employment law. A lot of your employment law attorneys do handle ADA disability rights cases. So, you know, it's kind of falls within their wheelhouse, so to speak. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm the one that they work with, uh, that they retain for attorney client privileges. That way, anything that, that I uncover and talk to and so forth is, is, uh, is kept within that privilege. Are, are any of the buildings like historic buildings, say, is there such such a thing as being grandfathered in as a as a building under the ADA and where yeah. they don't have to be required to meet certain requirements? Yeah, that's a great question. And a lot of people think that, you know, because this building is so old that it's not, uh, I'm not required to make it ADA compliant. Uh, and that is, uh, as, you know, current, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the ADA does not have a provision for grandfathering, uh, but it, it does have a provision of what we call safe harbor, uh, which means that if you have a particular element that is in compliant with, uh, that is compliant with an older standard, say the original standard that came out in 1991, uh, those standards were updated in 2010. But if you're compliant with what is considered the 1991 standard, you're not required to bring that up to a, a change or improvement in that standard, in the new 2010 standard. Uh, but A 1991 standard, is that what you said? Yeah, a, okay, 1990, so a 1991 standard was the original ADA design and construction standards that were, okay. uh, that were issued with the yeah. ADA right. um, law. Okay. And so now anything built prior to then, um, and we this is where it gets a little bit confusing is because someone might have a building that was built in the 60s or 50s. Well, that was built when before the ADA was even there. Right. Uh, the business owner and the building owner still has what we call a readily achievable barrier removal obligation to bring that, to bring that building up to uh, ADA compliance. In other words, that readily achievable barrier removal obligation means without much difficulty or expense. So that means you might have to add a ramp you might have to add grab bars to your bathroom. Uh, you might have to uh, c provide an accessible route. But you're not going to have to tear out your building. You're not going to have to tear it down to comply. Right. Uh, there, there, are, there, are some, um, there is some leeway uh, in that particular part of the code compared to a newly designed and constructed building post-1991. Got it. Well, if people are looking to get a consultation or have questions about compliance, how do they get in contact with you? They can you know, look at my website at www.compliancesupportllc.com. Uh, they can get a full rundown of the types of services that I offer, how I help my clients, and the type of work that I do. What geography do you cover? 
I cover nationwide. Uh, there's not a plane I probably won't get on to go to handle this, and I have. I've been in out of every major hub just about in the nation and right. been hired by, you know, building uh, owners and uh, major corporations and from all the way down to rural America to major downtown Manhattan pharmacies. Right. What is the general turnaround time from an inspection? Is there such a... From a general turnaround time to the time I inspect to the time I issue my full compliance report, it's typically about three weeks. It was great having you both on the show. Hey, thanks for following us at the Port of Call Business Spotlight. If you will, just be sure to give us a like, follow us on your favorite podcast platform, uh, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you.